Our Father and our God, thank you for your word, which you've given to us. Thank you for this opportunity to meet as your people in your presence. Now, Lord, we pray that you, by your spirit, who authored the scripture, who dwells within your people, we pray that you would help us to hear your word, to receive your word, to be drawn to faith through your word, to be given hope through your word, and to be overwhelmed anew with the greatness of your saving grace extended to us through your son, Jesus. Lord, would you work in us and through us and for us, we pray today in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray now that you would help me to deliver your truth in a way that would be honoring to you, in a way that would be good for your people, and in a way that would draw all men to yourself. Help all of us, we pray in Jesus' name. If you would, please take your seats. If you haven't already, please take your Bible and turn over to Exodus 29, where uh, Ashlyn was just reading for us. Now, we here at Redeemer, a little um, backstory, we're studying through the book of Exodus, and the, the, the truth and the theme over the book of Exodus is that the one true God saves his people, the one true God graciously draws his people to himself. And as we've been navigating and journeying through the book of Exodus, there's kind of three main, main events or sections in the book. The first main event is God powerfully delivering his people from Egypt. Um, we know that as the Exodus. We, we get our Passover story. We know about parted seas and God destroying armies. The, the second kind of main event is, is on a mountain called Mount Sinai where God meets with his people and he gives them his, his law, his covenant, his expectations for them. He's teaching Israel how to be his people. And then we come to this third section where God is preparing his people to move from the mountain to the promised land. And, and what happens in this third section, this is where we are right now, it's really two main things. God is going to teach Moses to teach his people how to build a meeting place, the meeting place where God will dwell with his people and meet with them. And then he's going to prepare them to move toward the promised land. So we're in this third section that, that really begins in chapter 24 and continues all the way through chapter 31, where Moses, God's messenger, is on the mountain receiving a word from the Lord about how to build his meeting place or his tabernacle. And that's, this chapter is a part of that story. And so we're stopping at some places through this section to, um, to see and receive and study and be shaped by some very important truths. So Ben Morrow helped us begin that last week by thinking about uh, the mercy seat. And today we're looking at this chapter about um, the consecration or ordination of priests to serve the Lord in, connect, in God meeting with his people. Now, before we dive in, here's what I want you to hear. Please stay connected with Exodus. This is the summer. 
the, the likelihood that you're going to all be here for the, actually that any of you will be here for the next eight consecutive weeks is unlikely, and that's perfectly okay. But we're going to finish Exodus in the next eight weeks. And I just want to plead with you, like, stay connected with Exodus. Now, you can listen to our sermons. They're on our Facebook page. They're online. But more than staying connected with our sermons, like, I'm pleading with you to stay connected with Exodus. So right now, we're in this section 24 through 31, but then 32 through uh, chapter 40. Like, we're going to be moving through that. And I just want to plead with you, like, stay connected with Exodus. We send out an email. Andy Dukes works really hard on it. Like, three of you read it. Um, We send out an email every week called Life at Redeemer. And in there every week is what this week's sermon passage is. So even if you're, you know, in the French Riviera, you know, like, you can can know where we are in Exodus and, and, and navigate with us. So um, we even have some Bibles there under the seats. You can take one to the French Riviera with you if you need to. So um, with that said, today we're looking at Exodus 29. Exodus 29 is about the establishment of the priesthood. And Exodus 29 proves that we're not afraid of talking about obscure realities if they're in the scripture. I mean, today you got burning flesh, the breast of a ram waved before the Lord as an offering. You got blood on your ears and your thumbs and your big toe. You got blood thrown on altars. You got blood thrown on each other. I mean, like, think about our good southern genteel vision of church. You know, you put on your seersucker and your Sunday best, and you come and act really holy and pure. The vision of worship here is burned meat, blood thrown around, and waving organs before the Lord. How does all that fit together? And what is the Lord trying to show us through all these details? As we've been contending through the book of Exodus, the details certainly matter. And this passage tells us pretty clearly what the Lord is getting at through all these details. So I want to I convince you what the purpose of this chapter is, and then we'll look at some of the details together. So chapter 29, verse 1. This is what you shall do to them to consecrate them. Them is speaking of Aaron and his sons, that they may serve me as priests. So the Lord is interested in Aaron and his sons serving him as priests. Um, when you think of priest, think of those whom God has selected to represent the Lord to the people and the people to the Lord as the Lord meets with his people. And that really is the driving theme. Because look with me over to verse 43. So he's going to give us all these details about establishing Aaron and his sons as priests before the Lord, representing the people. But this is where it's going. Verse 43. There I will meet with the people of Israel, and it shall be sanctified to my glory. I will consecrate this tent of meeting and the altar 
Aaron also and his sons I will consecrate to serve me as priests. Okay, why? Verse 45, I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord your, their God. So if you were to be one who marks in your scripture, verses 43 through 46 really are the essence of this passage. The Lord's establishing the priesthood as a key component of the Lord meeting with his people. Who is the Lord? The God who brought them out of Egypt. Who is the Lord? The God who meets sinful people by grace. Who is the Lord? The God who dwells among his people. He will be known. He will be known as the God who dwells among his people. And what the establishment of the priesthood with all of its intricacy and all of its detail and all of its specificity is intended to convey to the people is it's no light thing that I dwell with my people. And it's no light thing to stand before me as a priest of my people. This But it is a good thing to be welcomed into my presence as I meet with my people. That's what all is going on here. And that's what verses 43 through 46 tell us. It's really nice when the scripture summarizes these things for us such that I'm not asking you to take my word for it. I'm asking you to look there. Now, but if the details drive us to that conclusion... What are the details? And I'm going to summarize it in two ways. The details are, number one, priestly preparation. And number two, continual sacrifice. So the details are priestly preparation and continual sacrifice. So let's look at those in turn. Number one, priestly preparation. This is verses 1 through 37 of Exodus 29. It's the priestly preparation. So it begins in verse one. This is what you shall do to to them, the sons of Aaron, to consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. So what's going on in this is the Lord is saying, this is how Aaron and his sons will be set apart for the work of serving me as priests. The word consecrate, I believe reading through this whole chapter, we can also take as a synonym for set apart, as a synonym for make holy, as a synonym for ordinate, ordination. Like it means to be separated from everyday uses for dedication to the service of God. Separation from everyday uses for dedication to the service of God. So the Lord is saying we're going to very intentionally very focused, very detailed, and with intentional ceremony, ceremonially set these people apart to serve me as priest. But this consecration requires preparation. 
It requires preparation. You might ask, well, why, Jamie? Why does it require preparation? It, we're going to see that it requires preparation because Aaron and his sons are also sinners. They're not inherently better than the rest of Israel. They were just set apart and chosen by God for a purpose. But even those set apart by God are still sinners. Second, everyone with a sin problem has a sacrifice problem. Meaning, how do sinful people enter the presence of a holy God? The answer in this chapter in this passage in the book of Exodus in all of the Old Testament and frankly in all of the scripture is there is no forgiveness of sins there is no setting apart of this sin setting aside covering over this sin problem without the shedding of blood and this really gets begun for us here and it will take on full flower in the blood of the son of God that was spilled for his people. So what's going to happen is we're going to see that Aaron and his sons are not uniquely without sin. They're sinners. They're not uniquely holy. They must be made holy by the Lord. And this ceremony of action is two things. It's intentional and it's very similar to the offerings that are made for all the people of Israel because they too are sinners. So we begin in verses 1 through 9 with washing. And guys, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go somewhat quickly through these details. But we begin with washing. What we're told is before they can even put on the, the priestly garments, they need to be cleansed. Now friends, this is not germaphobism, okay? This is not a culture like an ER in the U.S., you know, where we, we completely get all of the, the, the bad stuff out so that we're completely clean. This is a recognition, a recognition that they are not clean. And this cleansing is symbolic of their need to be cleansed by the Lord. So Aaron and his sons must be cleansed. Second, verses 10 through 15. Aaron and his sons must have their sins covered. Verse 10 through 15 talk about taking a bull and slaughtering it, and using its blood as a sin offering, that's verse 14, to the Lord. Aaron and his sons must be covered. Then we see in verses 15 through 21, we see... Aaron and his sons offering two additional animals, two rams. And the rams are used for offerings to the Lord and for cleansing of the altar. Cleansing of the place where God will meet with his people. 
and cleansing of the garments. So all the things involved in the life and the work and the ministry of Aaron and his sons must be cleansed through and with and by the blood of these animals. Then, and that continues actually through nine, all the way through verse 25. Then in verses 26 through 34, we see the Lord providing for Aaron and his sons through the offerings. They're the ones who are able to in, enjoy the feast from the sacrifices. And we see the Lord providing for this anointing and this consecration and this ordination to be passed on to the next generations of Aaron's sons. That's in verse 30. So verse 35 brings this kind of section to conclusion like this. Thus you shall do to Aaron and to his sons according to all that I have commanded you. So all this detail. Through seven days you shall ordain them. So this is a, a seven continual day process. No one will have it slip past their recognition that a priest has been set apart for the work of the Lord. And every day you shall offer a bull as a sin offering for atonement. Also you shall purify the altar when you make atonement for it and shall anoint it to consecrate it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and consecrate it and the altar shall be most holy. Whoever touches the altar shall become holy. So what's being said here is Aaron and his sons have been set apart by the Lord to serve the Lord and to serve the people of the Lord as priests, but this requires preparation and it requires cleansing and it requires atoning and it requires that the garments and the utensils be set apart for the holy work of God meeting with his people. So what I want you to see is that God has set apart Aaron and his sons to serve as priests. Aaron and his sons, like all the people, are sinners who must be find the mercy of the Lord through the Lord's means. And these 37 verses of scripture are intended to show us how the Lord is setting apart Aaron and his sons, how it's not accidental, how it's very intentional, and how all the people would know that the Lord has worked on their behalf to prepare them for the holy work that they will do. Which leads to the second point, continual sacrifice. Well, what is the holy work that Aaron and his sons would do? This is found in verses 38 through 43. The holy work is this. Aaron and his sons 
would continually work according to the word of the Lord to facilitate the meeting of God with his people. So verse 38 begins like this. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs a year old, day by day and regularly. One lamb in the morning, one lamb in the evening. It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance of the tent of the meeting before the Lord where I will meet with you to speak with you there. So what's the Lord saying? Twice daily. Now that was not Shell's idea. That was the Lord's. Twice daily, Aaron and his sons will bring a sacrificial offering at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And in the tent is where the Lord will meet with his people. Now, why twice a day for generations would the Lord have a sacrificial offering made at the entrance of the tent of meeting? Except to say, we meet based on my mercy and my grace and my sacrifice for you. That's what the Lord is conveying. And it's Aaron and his sons who will do the work of this continual conveying of an offering before the Lord where the Lord will meet with his people. Verse 43, there I will meet with my people. I, verse 45, will dwell among the people of Israel and be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. So you hear what the, you hear what the Lord's saying? It's the work of Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests in the house of meeting where I will meet with my people and my people will know that I am their Lord and I am their God and they will know me. All of this is the Lord very elaborately preparing his people to dwell in his presence and for him to be with them. And all of it is an elaborate provision that continual sacrifice for sin, or that the sacrifice for sin and the mercy that God's forgiveness is and relationship with God is would ever be before the people. So, so okay, this is great. That's it's a great Bible study, Jamie. What do we do with that? Where are the animals? Who's killing them? Where's the blood? Where's the wave offering? Are you saying we all have a sin problem? We do. You see, the Lord was establishing something here, a twice daily offering at the tent of meeting, at the point of meeting, to prepare the people for a better offering. The better offering 
is Jesus. John chapter 1, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This established blood twice a day. And, and unique sacrifices and atoning sacrifices on annual basis. Insert Leviticus, insert Deuteronomy, insert it all. But all of that was preparation for the lamb who would die once for all time. So think about it this way. The entrance into the presence of the Lord is only open through the blood of the Son of God who died as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Amen. And some of you are like, yeah, yeah, dude, I know that. Good, but do you truly embrace it? I challenge you, Christian, child of God, What else besides the blood of Jesus are you holding up as your offering of acceptance before the Lord? Because there's all something that we just need to lay down. Performance, that's not it. Good morals, that's not it. Good scripture habits, that's not it. I'm for all those things, by the way. That's not it. What it is is the mercy of God extended to us through the blood of his son. Lay all the rest of it down. Cling to, cling to the offering that God has provided. If you're here today, you're not a follower of Jesus. You're not a Christian. You don't even know what that means. This is what I want you to hear. God who made you in the heavens and the earth. He knows your sin. He knows your rebellion. He knows the problem that it is. And yet, he's extended mercy through the blood of his son. I would love to help you understand what that might mean for you. So you can talk to me after the service. Right through those double doors is a table with the resources that would help you understand who Christ is and what he came to do. Standing beside that table is one of our staff members who would love to talk with you about who Jesus is and help you take a step toward him. But just hear this. The Lord has provided mercy in his son. Now I can stop there and that would feel really good. But I got to go one step further. I got to go one step further. Who are the priests? Who are the priests? Well, ultimately, Jesus is the priest. The great high priest who perfectly did all of this and offered his life as a sacrifice. But the scripture says something completely dumbfounding. It says that everyone who believes in Christ is covered in his blood and a child of God. But you know what it also says? We're the priests. Which means that everyone who's covered in the blood of Jesus is called to the work in the ministry of Jesus. Every single one of us. It's not just the preachers. It's not just choose your traditions word, bishops. It's not the elders. It's not the presbyters. It's everybody. And if you think I'm playing preacher games with the scripture, I'm just going to give you three. 
I'm going to just let the scripture speak for itself. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Jesus is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sin by his blood. You hear that? Those who've been loved by God and freed from sin by the blood of Jesus. That sounds awfully familiar, right? Those, he made a kingdom, verse 6, and priests to his God and Father. Do you hear that? All of them, all of us, we're the workers of God before the world. We're the ones who do the work of meeting with the Lord through the blood of his son. We don't need a mediator. You don't need me. You don't need a preacher. You don't need your favorite preacher on the internet. You have the spirit of God and you're a priest. Okay, that's just one. Fine, one's enough, by the way, but I'll give you more. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? We who believe are being built into a house. And the whole house is a priesthood. And it's the whole house together who offers spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus. Third, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Speaking to the house still. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Okay, that's good. What do I do with that? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, church, I want you to get this. We And all who believe, we're the kingdom, and we're the house, and we are the workers of God for his glory in his world. I want you to just step into a commitment. The Lord wants to build his kingdom through broken people like me. Put your name there. Not just me. I know I'm one of the broken people. But put your name there. And then say this. And I will lean in. I'll go all in. And that might look different for me than for you. And for you and for you and for you. But that's okay. But I'll go all in on understanding that the Lord has set me apart. Not just for salvation. But for a life devoted to the building of his kingdom. In all things. Wherever he places me. And I think if we start with that disposition of faith and hope and pray for the Spirit of God to start stirring, He will. If you pray that and He doesn't, come talk to me. I'll buy you coffee and we'll get the wheel spinning, okay? And if you buy the coffee, I'll stay twice as long.
Friends, I want us to see what the Lord wanted his people to see. We need his grace. We need his mercy. And we come to him on his terms. But he went out of his way to make sure that the meeting happened daily for his people. Our Father and our God, we pray now that you would take this word that you have spoken and as much as it's true, right, helpful, and good, you would drive it deeply into our hearts and minds for the glory of your name. Amen.